Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 62. All week, we are looking at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema. A Bema was a raised and is a raised place where a judge stands or someone meets out uh, rewards. Now, in the ancient Olympian games, just like uh, we have Olympic games today, they competed in races and all kinds of athletic contests. But in our day, contrary and going against what the practice was in the days of the Greco-Roman games, the person who wins is placed upon a bema. And you have in our modern day a tall bema where the winner, the gold medalist is, then the silver medalist is on one side on a lower bema, and then you have another uh, someone on the other side that gets a bronze medal, uh, the third place finisher, and they are on a bema. But in the Greco-Roman games, it was the judge that was on the bema. And someone would walk in front of them and they would put on their head, they would move their head forward, bow down, and whoever it was that was the judge or the leader or the one who was presiding over the games, they would place a laurel or an oak leaf crown, Stephanos is the words. It's the word where we get our word Stephen or Stephanie. That's a victor's crown, one that has been earned, one that's been won. That's in contradistinction to a diadema, which is a royal crown that is by birth and by right. But this is a Stephania. And so someone who's named Stephen or Stephanie, your name is Crown. And so the judge would be upon the Bema. Now, that's opposite of what we do today. But that's the imagery of the New Testament. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that these great athletes of those Ismanian games, which were held every four years, but it was in between the four-year period of the Greek games. And those were held right outside of Corinth. So Paul was writing in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthians. They knew very well the idea of an athlete, and that's an entire podcast or two in itself just talking about the Corinthians and what they were known for and their athleticism. But he said, you discipline, you've seen this over and over again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, you Corinthians understand about discipline. You do it all the time, but you do all of this discipline, all of this labor, all of this rigor, just so you can get a laurel or oak leaf crown that's going to fade away in a short time. But he said, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we discipline our Ourselves. We discipline our bodies. We bring it into subjection to our spiritual being and under the spirit and the control of the Holy Spirit so that one day we will be able to stand before God, before the Bema 
the judgment seat of Christ and receive a crown, a Stephanie, a Stephanos that will not fade away. It's going to last forever. And we'll cast that at the feet of Jesus according to the book of Revelation. And so what I'm saying to you is this concept of the Bema was very familiar to the Greco-Roman world. And so that is the aspect of the Bema. Jesus is the judge. He is the head of the games. He is the master. And he is the one who has has watched the entire race of everyone. And he is the righteous judge. And he wants to reward us. And so he graces us over and over again so that when we stand before him, we will not stand empty-handed, but that we will be able to be rewarded because God has put within the very fabric of humanity, the concept of incentive and reward. And that's the whole idea behind, not to get off on a tangent, but this is the whole idea behind capitalism and free enterprise and the idea of every man sitting under his own vine and every man working his own field and every man reaping his own reward, not this idea of communism and everybody's the same because there is no incentive whatsoever. It's just an anti-biblical concept. And I'd be delighted to deal with that uh, in a future podcast as well. But getting back to the judgment seat of Christ, the fact is you and I are one day going to stand before Jesus. We're going to stand before the Lord of glory, and we're going to give an account for how we have lived since we have been saved. No, everything as far as our salvation has been settled at the cross. This is our service to God, what we have done since we've been saved, because in every one of our lives, there is a since we have been saved part of our lives. And it might be short, might be longer, but the reality is every one of us, God has a will for our lives, a way for us to walk, and we're going to be judged according to the potential that each one of us have and that he has placed within us, not judged according to some other paradigm or template or grid or anyone else. We are individuals before God, and God has a plan for our lives. And so he has laid out something for us to do. So we're not going to stand before Jesus in our flesh. We cannot do that. That is why 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about this idea of the resurrection and a new body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that great resurrection chapter, and verse 50, I've read this at so many gravesides. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Now, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where we started the week in these podcasts, talking about this temporary nature of this life and how that this tabernacle is going to be dissolved that we're living in now, this body, and we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul talked about that to the church at Thessaloniki when in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, when he talked about them not needing to be ignorant concerning those who sleep in Jesus, that they sorrow not as others who have no hope. Why? Because the grave is not the end for the child of God. We have a glorious new existence. We will never taste death in the sense of 
of ceasing to exist one moment. The moment our eyes close in death, the nanosecond that that happens, we are at home with the Lord Jesus. That's what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50, he says, we can't go to heaven like we are. In these bodies, we cannot do it because these bodies are not equipped to see God in his glory. And it is a wonderful change that's going to take place. And in verse 51, he says, behold, I show you a musterion. This is something that's hidden, something that had not been revealed. You see the rapture of the child of God, the rapturing away, the catching away, the snatching away of the saints of God is something that's glorious and wonderful, but it's not something that is discussed before the Apostle Paul. It is in shadow, it is in type, but never discussed. Paul said, behold, I show you a mystery. We were not all going to sleep, but everyone has to be changed. That's going to happen in a moment at the twinkling of an eye. When? It's going to happen when the last trumpet sounds, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. That's what he talked about in verse 50. Our bodies will no no longer have the ability to decay. It's going to be incorruptible. And uh, why? Because right now we're corruptible. This mortal must put on immortality. That is, the bodies that we have that God is going to give us, our glorified bodies, are going to be bodies that will never decay. And so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying that death is swallowed up in victory. You see, there's going to be a change. We cannot go to heaven like this. We cannot go to the Bema as we are. We're going to be changed. The moment we close our eyes in death, the soul and spirit is separated. This is the child of God is separated from the body that we see. God made us a tripartite being. That is, we're in three parts, body, soul, and spirit. I'm not arguing about dichotomy on here. This is my podcast. And so I'm just going to take the scriptures as it is that we have a body, soul, and spirit. And even though I cannot discern between the soul and spirit, the word of God can, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and following. The Spirit of God can discern between the soul and the body. That means that there are two entities that can be discerned. Even if you and I cannot do it, God can. Okay, enough about that. And so the Bible says the moment we close our eyes in death as a child of God, we are in the presence of the Lord Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the first eight verses talk about that. And so to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. But our bodies go to the grave, to uh, the watery grave. It's uh, disintegrated in a blast. Whatever the case is, the way that we die and leave this world doesn't determine whether we're going to spend eternity. That is uh, determined by our relationship with the Lord Jesus prior to our death. But the body is important. It's sacred to God, and so it's going to be resurrected. The resurrection has to do with the body, not the soul or spirit. As a matter of fact, it is a physical term. It is the word ana and stasio. comes from the word histemi. It literally means to stand again. That's a bodily term. The body is put down. It is laying out, and now it is going to be raised again. That's the word Anastasia or 
the term resurrection. And so the resurrection has to do with the body. So we're going to stand in brand new bodies before the Bema, before the judgment seat of Christ, that we can receive the things done in our bodies since we have been saved. And it will be determined by Jesus as to whether it is valuable or it is worthless. And in our next podcast, we will look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and talk about that which is wood, hay, and stubble, and that which is gold, silver, and precious stones because God has a plan for our lives. And when we build upon the foundation of God himself, upon the person of Jesus, uh, the apostle Paul says, as a master architectos, as a master architect, I have built upon the foundation and there is no other foundation than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. My prayer is that today you're building your life upon the Lord Jesus and you are building a life of gold, silver, and precious stones that will be purified in the fiery gaze of the Lord Jesus at the Bema of Christ. Blessings on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.